Last week, we, we saw a prayer from an unknown psalmist for a national revival. Y'all been praying for revival this week? We, we, the church, not just Chevis Oaks Baptist Church, but the church, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ needs revival. And that was weak. We need revival. We truly do. We also look back in time at a sermon Dr. Jerry Vines preached back in the late 70s where he said, said he believed that one of three things were just about to, to take place in America as he looked across the, the very troubled landscape. We learned that those were the very same issues that concerned Dr. Vines back in the 70s were still present and here today with, with, with an even greater intensity. Dr. Vines believed that America was about to face retribution from a God because uh, we have turned our backs on a holy and a righteous God. Could be. And this, remember, this was back in the 70s. He believed that God was getting ready to do something to America that we deserved, and we do. L listen to me, church. This, this isn't part of the introduction, but I think it's, it's relevant here. The, the silent majority of Christians needs to wake up. Listen, we, we need to quit thinking and start talking and start doing. Amen? If you're waiting for somebody to invite you to wake up, now is the time to wake up. We're running out of time. So Dr. Vines warned of, of God's pending possible retribution. He said we could also be seeing the, the return of Christ uh, for, to rapture the bride, his bride, the church. Or we could be looking at a national revival coming soon. The message Vines preached in my message last week was to encourage all believers to pray for, to beg God to send one last great revival to his church before either retribution comes or Jesus raptures his church. Now this week, I want to give you a message that you've heard before, but it's a message that the lost world needs to desperately hear today and every day. Not just from me, but from all believers. I do not know who needs to hear this message. If it's someone who is in this auditorium, I don't know if it's someone who's listening live stream from us right now. I don't know if it's somebody who has looked at our archives a year from now and has found this message, but you need this message. Somebody needs this message today. The title of the message is What the World Needs. What the World Needs. Now, last week we saw what the church needs. This week we're going to look at what the world needs. Now, why, why is this message so important? Now, we saw last week why the message was important. The church desperately needs, we, we need revival. We, we need a fresh flowing of the Holy Spirit of God to touch us and to move us. Amen? But what is it that the world needs and why is this message so important? Well, I'll tell you the first reason is this. People's faith is in their religion, or their, their faith is in their denomination. Just this past week, I, 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 every day uh, while I'm studying, Becky can attest to this, I, I cannot sit for long periods of time in my office and just read or work on my computer, or I, I just cannot do it. I will get up and I'll walk. And I know sometimes she's thinking, where is he going? 
Where is he going? I, I might just walk to the social hall and get some water or, or get some ice. Or I, Sometimes Gary probably sees me. I'm walking around the building, and I'll pick up trash. I just cannot sit and, and just, you know, for long periods of time in my office. It gets on Amy's nerves, too, because I'm walking around the house. But just this past week, I was walking around the church building, just looking, and there was a man parked in our, our parking lot just sitting there in his truck. Well, I mean, I, I look at that as an opportunity to witness to the person who's in the car. Call me crazy, Tony, you know, right? I mean, they don't know me. I don't know them. So I, I walked up, and Trey, he said, is everything okay? I said, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm the pastor of the church. I just want to make sure that you're okay. And he said, oh, yeah, I'm fine. And the next words that come out of his mouth, Karen Carter, are this. I'm a Catholic. <laughs> I don't know if he thought that was his saving grace stamp. I, I don't know what it I don't. And I, he was looking for a response from me. And, of course, he's parked in front of a, a Baptist church. I guess he thought he was in trouble. I, I, don't, I don't know. But I looked at him and I said, well, I'm a Christian. And he kind of looked at me kind of funny. And I said, no, I want you to understand that I, I, hold, I am a, a Baptist preacher. I'm the pastor of this church. But I'm a Christian first. It doesn't matter what denomination you are as long as you believe Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior. That, that he is the Son of God. That, that he is coming again. And he kind of looked at me like I was crazy. Two or three times just this week, people, when they introduced themselves to me, they had to tell me. I don't know if it's just compulsive or they just had to tell me, oh, I am a man. Methodist. Oh, I am a Presbyterian. I am a Pentecostal. I, I, I don't get it, Pe but I do get it. People have put their faith in their denomination or their religion. That's scary. I, I am proud to be a Baptist, a Southern Baptist. I'm proud of the accomplishments that we've made. There, there's, we've had some troubled times in the past, but I, I am a Southern Baptist first and foremost because of what we do in the missions world. When something, a disaster takes place, you watch the news. Nine times out of ten, the very first people who are on site are Southern Baptists or a Southern Baptist entity. That's what I'm proud of. But I do not stake my faith on the Southern Baptist or the Southern Baptist Convention. I do not. And if you do, you're foolish. My faith is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. This message is important because people are putting their faith, their faith, everything, and their denomination or their religion. That's scary. But there's another reason this message is important. People also put their faith in something else that they just shouldn't put their faith in, and that's themselves. Well, I, I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm good. I, I'm good. I'm a good person. I, you know, I'm, I'm way better than Timmy. I'm way better than Brandon. They put their faith in themselves. They look at what they've done and how they treat people, and they look at the world, and their faith is in themselves. I, I've got to be able to get to heaven because of who I am and what I've done. But there's another reason. People don't see themselves in need of repentance or salvation anymore. They really don't. I, I, I was going back and forth with this, with this lady who made a really ridiculous comment, and, and I, I, Amy tells me, you just need to stop, stop. Your, your blood pressure, you're going to have a, you're going to stroke out. But there's some things that people say, I can just, Tony, I can just let it ride. But there's other times when people say stuff, I'm just like, that ain't riding. Mm -mm. That, that, that horse ain't riding. I've got to say something. 
Church, people do not see themselves in need of repentance or salvation anymore. Listen to what uh, people who, who live in the last days look like and act like. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 9. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. Paul writes this. He says, but know this. Difficult times will come in the last days. Have we experienced any of that here in the past? I don't, I don't know, a year? Anybody experienced that? Goodness gracious. I don't even watch the news anymore, y'all, when I hear about it. Difficult times, difficult times will come in the last days. For people will be lovers of self. Lovers of money, boastful, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Unless you holding up baby over there. Maggie, Trey, y'all get ready. Disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanders, without self-control, brutal, without love, for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to, listen, this, this is the one that just, oh my gosh, listen, holding to a form of religion but denying its power. Listen to what Paul says. Avoid these people. Avoid these people. For among them are those who worm their way into households and capture idle women burdened down with sins. Let alone long by a variety of passions, always learning and never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Jesus, excuse me, just as, as Janus and uh, uh, Jabaris resisted Moses, so these also resist the truth. Men who are corrupt in mind, worthless in regard of faith, but they will not make further progress, for their lack of understanding will be clear to all as theirs was also. Did y'all hear those words? Y'all might want to just kind of underscore them and, and highlight it and go back and read it again and think about the world that we're living in today. Church, listen, it, it's, it's, it's mind-numbing. Now, I'm not sure if you noticed any similarities from that scripture and what people of the world like are, are like today. If, if we're not in those days, we're not far removed from those days. If this is truly the case, then what is it that the world needs? What is it? Brother Kyle, I, I'll, I'll attest and I'll say, okay, this is important. This message is important, but what is it? What is it that the world is in need of today? Look at Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. We're going to start reading in verse 25. <clears throat> Matthew eleven twenty-five. 25. At this time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, because this is your good pleasure. All things have been entrusted to me by my Father. 
No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son desires to reveal him. Jesus says, verse 28, Come to me. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I might give you rest. Is that what your Bible says? Cynthia, is that what your Bible says? It it doesn't. It says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And if you, all of you, take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for yourselves. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. My burden is light. Church, what, what do we need to know? Well, what is it that we, we all need? What is it that we need to need and know this morning? Church, there are things that I need. There are things that I need. Just like there are things that you need. And there are, are things that, that we need together. I could walk off this platform right now and quit my job or quit my ministry. Amy tomorrow could call Bluffton High School and say, look, this is insanity. Just this week, just, just this week, she found out what she was teaching. Just this week. She could call them and say, this is insanity. I'm not doing it anymore. Uh, It's it's not worth it to me. I'm quitting. We could both quit and walk away. But y'all need to understand something. The bills are still going to come. Who said amen? (laughs) Goodness gracious. The bills are still going to come. Just because we we get rid of one thing doesn't mean that it's it's all going to, you know, take care of itself. Bills are still going to come. And we're still going to have responsibilities that we need to take care of. Just because we quit doesn't mean things aren't going to change. I I mean, I, I still need to have some sort of income. She still needs to have some sort of income with insurance. We we need to have we we, we need to have certain things. Uh, listen, I, I need something else. <clears throat> I need air. Y'all, I, I need air. I, I, can't, I can hold my breath. I love doing this sometimes. When you, y'all get bored when you're driving long distance? I do. And I don't even know if she knows that I do this. She probably does. I don't know. When I get bored, I'll hit a mile marker, Steve, and it'll be like mile marker 121. And I'll say, okay, I'm going to see if I still got it. So I'll take a deep breath. And I try to drive a whole mile without breathing. See if y'all are laughing. Any of y'all ever do that? Y'all do that? Huh? Well, that's okay. I'm driving. It's okay. Amy's sitting there saying, you're going to pass out. Now, I did it this past when we went to Florida a few weeks ago, and I got a mile and a half. But this is what I've noticed. I, I'll hold my breath, and, you know, when, you're, when you're, it's about gone, all the oxygen's about gone, you'll... <coughs> And I'll speed it up. I'm not, I don't have what, what I, I need air. You, you need air. When I love to go underwater and see how long I can hold my breath. And I can hold my breath for a long time. I used to be able to hold my breath for a little over two minutes. I mean, I, I could do it. I, I, don't, I can't do it anymore. That's crazy, isn't it? 
It's because I practiced so much when I lived on Lake Wiley. But at some point, I've got to have air. I've got to. Church, I need water. I I need food. I I don't need shampoo anymore, but I still need need soap to get all the dirt off. There's certain things that, that I need. In the state of Georgia and living in the the city of Savannah in the summertime, there's something else I need. Y'all know what I need? That's exactly right, air conditioning. Or a portable air conditioning, you know, the church fan. I I do. I I take those and give them to people up up in uh, upstate of South Carolina from some time, and they kind of look at me funny, like, you know, what what are you doing with these in your truck? But we got to have it, right? We've got to feel the air air movement. There are certain things that I need and that you need. Church, please hear me now. And if you don't hear anything else I've said, please hear me now. When I take my last breath on earth, all of those things that I just talked about, all of those things that I just talked about, I'm really not going to be, I'm not going to need them anymore. I'm really not because I'm going to be in the presence of Jesus, right? I'm not going to need air conditioning. Thank the Lord, heaven's air conditioning. Now, the other place isn't. It really isn't. I, I'm not going to need to breathe because God's going to give me a new breath. What's it going to be like, Brother Kyle? I don't know. Uh, I, I'm not going to have to I don't have hunger or thirst the way we do here on earth. Why is that? Because all I need will be standing right in front of me, and that's Jesus. Now, you may be sitting right here now or, or listening over the internet saying, I, I, I've lived a pretty good life without Jesus. You're saying that you, every, all your needs are going to be met when you stand before Jesus. I, I, you know, I, I've lived a pretty good life without Jesus. I'm a good person. I'm a moral person. After all, I don't lie, cheat, and steal. Those are the big threes, right? I don't lie, cheat, and steal. So I'm good. I'm, I'm a good person. I don't do people wrong. Now, I want to tell you, I applaud you for that. I truly do. I applaud you. I applaud you for being a good person. But please understand that hell is full of good people. It's full of good people who thought all they needed to do was go to heaven, was be good. Because that's what they've heard all life, all their lives. From the time they were walking around, their mothers and fathers would tell them, now listen, you, you be, be good, be good. Church, what did Jesus tell us in this morning's scripture? Y'all, y'all, y'all in Matthew, what is it that Jesus told us in this morning's scripture? First we see in verses 25 and 26 of Matthew 11 that, that there's something that may seem really kind of odd. Look at verse 25 again. Verse 25 says this. It says, and at this time Jesus said, I praise you Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, because this was your good pleasure. What is it that Jesus is saying here? Who did God hide his message from as we just saw? 
Now, we can look back in our minds when John the Baptist was preaching to those in the wilderness to the time where, where John said to the Jewish priests that the tree was soon going to be cut down and there was going to be nothing left. There was not going to be a stump left, but that the tree was going to be removed by what? The roots. The roots. Now, I remember when we... <clears throat> We're teaching through the life of Christ, and we got to this scripture. And of those of you who weren't there, I want you to just visualize this with me. Visualize this with me. When I was a child, there was a poplar tree in our backyard. <clears throat> and the roots got so bad growing on top of the ground that we had to do something with this poplar tree. I mean, they, they would grow like this, this far above the ground, and when you were cutting the grass... You would, you would throw the pin in your lawnmower. Anybody experienced that with poplar trees? I mean, they're beautiful trees and they're lush and it doesn't take long for them to grow tall and give shade to the area, but their root system's horrible. So we had the tree cut down. My dad cut the tree down. And Gary, it wasn't, golly, it wasn't even six months later, something unusual started happening. Now, he, he did this, Trey. He went above and beyond. After he cut the tree down, we, we cut the roots and pulled the roots up out of the yard so we could, you know, maintain the yard without. This is what happened. We went out there, and would you believe that little saplings were growing out of the side of the, the stump? Little saplings. The tree was dead. We killed that dude, cut it down pulled the roots off to the, of the big roots that we could see, but there were still some roots that were under that stump. And little saplings started coming out here. That's not what, what John's talking about here. John is saying, listen, the tree is getting ready to be removed and the stump is going to be gone. All the roots are going to be taken out. What, what in the world, what in the world is he talking about? What is in the world is he talking about? Jesus then says, uh, he's talking about the, the Jewish people, the, the people who were, he, that were standing in front of him, the, the priests, the ones who thought they knew everything. He says, listen, it's, you're, you're getting ready to be removed. You're getting ready to be replaced. Now, Jesus then says, you revealed things to infants. Jesus is referring to the Gentile nations and those few Jews who were actually seeking after the truth. Think with me here. Jesus uses the word infants. What do infants so often do? What do, what do the infants always do? They ask questions, then want to know why. They want to know the answers. They are seeking, looking, trying to find out the answer to the question why? Now, some of y'all look, I, I bet Anderson asks all kinds of questions, doesn't he? It's because he wants to know the answers. That's who Jesus is revealing himself to. Those who want to know the answers. Those who are seeking. Those who are looking. Those who aren't content. You know a great problem with the church today? People who call themselves Christians, they're no longer looking. They've stopped looking. They've come, become content with what they know and what they think they know about God. There's never been a time, Miss Desi, there's never been a time where I've picked up the Word of God that I haven't learned something new from something I've read two or three, four, five, six, seven, seven times. 
If you're looking, Jesus will give you answers. But here again, if you're not looking, you're, you're not going to find any answers. You, you just walk around and think you know where you just won't know at all. We see in verse 27 that Jesus has been entrusted by God with all things. Do you know what's exempt from that? Nothing. God gives Jesus, he entrusts Jesus with all things. There is nothing that is beyond his scope or his ability. Look at verse 27. It says, all things have been entrusted to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone whom the Son desires to reveal to him. Now wake up. Who is it, church, that Jesus desires to reveal himself in this world? Because that's what the Scripture says, and we need to believe the Scripture, right? Who is it that Jesus desires to reveal himself to? Who is it? Is this Scripture supporting a Calvinistic movement? I don't think it does. Understand that Scripture qualifies Scripture. Scripture supports Scripture. Does it not? The most popular scripture in all the world amongst Christians is John 3.16. John 3.16 says, says uh, that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting right. Understand, church, I am whomsoever. Jesus' desire is to reach every person in this world. Now, verse 28 tells us, what it is that Jesus desires every person in the world to do. Now, please understand that Jesus is not going to make you come to him. He's not. As y'all think about your, your testimony, you think about the times that, that God came to you, and he tried to open your eyes and made you realize, did you come the first time? Some did. Most didn't. How about the second time or the third time? Church, understand, Jesus, is he, he's not going to make you come to him. He's not going to make you accept him. Jesus is not going to make you follow him or his commands. But he does have an offer on the table for every person in the world today. Here's the offer. Y'all ready for the offer? It's on the table, and this is what the world needs. Pay attention. Look at verse 28. He says, come to me. Did it say come to Shevis Oaks Baptist Church? Did it say come to the Baptist religion? Did it say come to the Pentecostal, the Church of God, the Presbyterian, the Catholic? Is that what Jesus said? He said, if you'll just come to this church, this one church, because they're, they're the right ones. Is that what the Word of God says? Absolutely not. The Word of God says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, it says, Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. Come to me, all, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Now, what do we see in these verses? Number one, an appeal from Jesus. The first thing we see is an appeal from Jesus. I, there are many times that I've asked people to do stuff, and sometimes it's gotten done, sometimes it hadn't. But there's, there's never been a time where I felt Jesus has asked me to do something. I hadn't done it. You know why? Because I don't want to get in trouble. I've, I've, you know, there's sometimes when people ask you know, in times past, brother, you know, Kyle, not brother Kyle, but Kyle, you know, will you do something? And I'm just like, I ain't doing that. But when Jesus asks you to do something, we need to pay attention to that. Amen, church? Jesus' appeal is this, come to me. 
Church, in the Old Testament, we constantly hear God calling his people back to himself, saying, return to me, return to me. Remember when we studied Journey Through the Bible and we saw that time and time and time again, God calling the Hebrew children, God calling his people back to himself. Now we hear Jesus saying, come to me. Now, please understand, the first step to following this equation is knowing that you must come to Jesus. The invitation has been given. Now, you are either going to accept that invitation or you're going to refuse it. Jesus is screaming to the world, even today, even right now, even this minute, even this second, come to me, come to me, please come to me. Now, who would need such a request this morning? I mean, after all, I mean, we're, we're in the computer age. We're so far advanced. Justin, we, we don't really, we, we're self-sufficient. We don't need, we, we don't need Jesus the way the people back in that day needed Jesus. After all, you Christians, you use Jesus as a crutch because you, you have these mind problems. Y'all ever heard that? You're, you're psychologically just, you're, something's warped and, and you need something to lean on. Y'all, have y'all heard that before? Who needs, who needs such a request this morning? Scripture tells us who needs. All you who are weary and burdened. All you who are weary and burdened. Who is excluded here, church? Who's excluded here? Is there anyone who has not ever been weary or burdened? Let me tell you what that means. Let me tell you what that means. This year, Brandon, you, you're going to be in the harder classes because you're a senior in high, in high school and you, you're going to face some stuff and you're going to get home and, and you're going to look at some problems or equations and you're going to be studying and you're going to be like, Dad can't help me with this one. <clears throat> Mom can't even help me with this one. And you're going to be burdened. And you're not going to know who to call out to. But because you have Jesus in your life, you're going to say, oh, hey, hold on a second. God, please help me with this. I'm going to study. I'm not going to go to sleep. I'm going to study. But please help me to absorb this stuff and understand this stuff. Just this past weekend, <clears throat> some friends of ours from Kentucky came down. And the girls had just, I think they finished their, their second or third year in nursing school. And one of them was talking about the nursing school experience when they took, took their boards uh, that final, they took them together. And they had to go to Indiana, I believe they said, to take the boards. And the, when they walked out of, from taking their test, Tony, they said they both burst out in tears. Both thought they failed it miserably. They said they prayed the whole way through it. God, help us. Oh, my God, help us. Guess what God did? He helped them. They both passed. We can look at that in every aspect of life. Every aspect of life. Think back this past week. What have you gone through that you were troubled, you were burdened, you, you were heavy laden, and you realize for, for, for the fact, I, I, can't, I can't fix this. I, I don't know what to do. I've heard some of the struggles that y'all have had at home. I've heard some of the struggles y'all have had at school. I've heard some of the struggles that y'all have had at the workplace. Listen, what got you through? Jesus. Jesus. I've heard so many people, so many believers, when, when death comes to their, their house and, and they, they go to Jesus, they, they look at me and say, I don't know how anybody makes it through this without Jesus. I don't either. I really don't. <clears throat> what will happen when you come to Jesus? Well, 
Scripture this morning says he'll give you rest. When you come to Jesus, Scripture says he will give you rest. Any of y'all have problems sleeping at night other than me and Gary Page? I, I, I like rest. I, I need rest. The sleep is one of the craziest things in my life. There's sometimes I, I can't sleep at all at night. I'll walk around the house. And there's other times I can sit down in that recliner after eating a meal, and about three seconds later, I'm out. Now, my wife, she can't sleep during the day. She, she says if she sleeps, tries to take a nap, it, it's, you know, it, it gives her a headache. But y'all, it is, it lays down beside me, and we'll cuddle for a little bit and talk, and, and I'll give her a kiss goodnight, and she'll say, okay, I've got to roll over, get off of me, you're hot. And I know I'm hot, but, you know... <clears throat> She says, get off me, you're hot, and she'll roll over, and I can literally, I can do this right here. One Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi. I can, before I get to 30, she's doing this right here, jerking. She gets the rest. I, I like that kind of rest. Jesus says, I, he says, I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Does this mean from, from the time that we come to Jesus, everything in your life is suddenly going to be made perfect? Absolutely not. That's not what he's saying here at all. But what he does, what, what does happen is that when, when you're weak and you're burdened, you go to Jesus and you give him your burden. You willfully lay your burden down and walk away from it. That's, that's what you need to do. You can't just give it to him and stand there and say, okay, I'm going to stand right here until you take care of it because Jesus works in his time, not in our time, right? We have to lay our burden down, just like the song says, and turn around and walk away. And then that will give you rest. There are so many things that I've tried to fix my, in my life by myself that have burdened me spiritually. And when I've given them to Jesus and said, I can't fix this, please help. I cannot tell you how many times that I've, I've, I've felt God has whispered in my ears, well, it's about time. What took you so long? I mean, you, you tell people to word, read the Word of God and trust the Word of God, but, but when it, it comes to you and, and you're burdened and you're weak and you're heavy laden, you try to fix it just like every human being does. You're the preacher. You need to start listening to your own messages. When that burden comes, the first thing we ought to do is lay it at the feet of Jesus. Say, God, I can't fix this. You can and turn around and walk away. <clears throat> There's been times as our children have grown older that Amy and I have faced different things, just like y'all do within your family unit. And I've come to her, she's come to me, and she says, what are we going to do? Majority of the time when I, I do that to her, she looks at it and says, I've already taken care of it. And I was like, oh, thank God, I don't have to do nothing. What'd you do? I gave it to Jesus. I can't fix this. There's not any money in the bank to, to, to fix this problem. I mean, we, we can't pay, pay this. We can't do I just gave it to Jesus. He's going to take care of it in his time. What are we going to do? We're going to trust him. We're going to allow him to take care of it and to do it. Do y'all have to do that? Do you have to do that as well? How, how do we come to Jesus the first time? 
How is it that we come to Jesus the first time? John chapter 3 tells us that, that we need to see and understand the method. And y'all, y'all know the story. Nicodemus came to Jesus by night and says, what must I do to have eternal life? And uh, Jesus said, you must be born again. Nicodemus says, how can I be born again? I'm, I'm a man who's old. And Jesus said, no, Nicodemus, understand this. You must be born of the water and the spirit, right? I didn't say it. Don't get mad to me. Did Jesus say you have to be a Methodist, Pentecostal, Church of God, Catholic? I mean, did Jesus say that? No. Jesus said you must be born again. Roman 10, 9 tells us how to be born again. Roman 10, 9 says if, starts with a condition, if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you will believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, Scripture says, I didn't say it. I'm just agreeing with it. Scripture says you shall be saved that's how you come to Jesus first once you know that Jesus then you can come to him from the rest of your life every time you're burdened and laid at the feet of Jesus but there has to be a first time Jesus is calling the world today just like he was calling the world back then come to me Come to me. Why do I need to come to Jesus? Because he has all the answers. I don't have all the answers. You know, people think preachers have all the answers. I don't have all the answers. But Jesus does. Jesus does. And he says, come to me. Do you know my Jesus? Do you know my Jesus? Hey, hey, Christian. Are you weak and weary? Are the times and troubles getting to you? Are you weak and weary? Do you need some rest? All you and I have to do is come to Jesus. That's all we have to do is come to Jesus. What is it that every single person in the world needs today? Well, what is it? Last work, we saw that the church needs revival. We need to be revived. One last great push before the Lord raptures the church or, or destruction comes from the hand of God. What is it the world needs today? The world needs to come to Jesus.